Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke with Nick Baumgartner. We are a little delayed this week, so apologize to all of you for who might have been waiting for the episode. Stuff's going on, guys. Stuff's going on. We had a locker clean-out day, as it were, on Monday, which... Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, you get to go in there and hang out with the guys as they're cleaning yeah. out their lockers. And it was, what, five player press yeah, conferences right. over yeah, Zoom including quickly? Jack Fox. No no offense to the punter, but, you know, we did talk to the punter. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a little bit different. But we had that uh, Daryl Bevel's last press conference Monday. And then Rod Wood talked uh, Tuesday morning, which was interesting. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you have any parting thoughts on the season. On week 17, the Lions <laughs> went down uh in appropriate fashion i guess with matthew stafford trying to will him past an yeah, opponent right. while the defense couldn't stop anyone yeah they went down swinging uh which is what they've done all year i think that we were sort of in agreement i feel like back in like i can't remember what the week was but when they beat atlanta you know in the last second and they were so i mean they've been like this all year they played hard for each other and you know if i had a takeaway i think it would be and i wrote about it a little bit the other day but you know, when Bevel talked about how he asked Stafford to, to talk to the team Saturday night before the final game, and, you know, Bevel's talked a lot in the last month and a half about, I wanted to, if nothing else, for for everyone to remember how hard they played and, you know, how together they were and these things in these final weeks and months. And I thought that that was the case mostly throughout the year, even when Patricia was here, to be fair. Although, you know, you could you could argue that maybe it ramped up after he left. But Stafford really is the is the thing here for me because when you're looking at this and it's not about whether he's going to be here or is not going to be here i'm looking at this as they're restarting the franchise completely and totally again whether whatever your plan is one way or the other doesn't matter you're hiring your two most important hires are being sort of redone you have a massive opportunity in front of you and all i could think of was i don't remember who asked him the question but Maybe it was Wojo Stafford. Uh, does this get any easier? Yeah, and he kind of gave yeah. that. Yeah, and he kind of gave that look where you know, and you know, Matthew, we've talked to him a thousand times, right? And he's been very good this year and open as much as he's probably ever been. And there's been times where you can sense his just like this is killing me, right? Like you can sense like I'm giving them everything I have plus you know anything else I can find, and I do feel like they got they had a roster this year that for the most part. Tried that, you know, with exceptions. But I think all, all those guys sold out for them. They gave everything they had. At some point, the, the the front office, the ownership, whatever, you have got to repay this at some point. Like, this is just, that's that's my whole takeaway, was every time we would see Stafford in one of those moments where it was like, it's killing this guy. He's giving them everything he has, and they're not, they're not giving him anything back in return. Although I would also cap that by saying, the other takeaway would be that I think we have seen, and we can talk about this later in the show, we've seen Rod Wood and Sheila Ford Hamp come up with a, you know, at least on paper, a plan with intent to take it serious and all of those things. So for me, it's it's been a year that I think that, you know, take COVID out of it, just the football part of it. I think that they played about the way we thought they would. The offense had flashes when it was healthy. The defense really, really struggled no matter what. But overall, the buy-in to me seemed like it it was what it needed to be. Bottom line, this shouldn't be this. This shouldn't be this difficult. I mean, you have a really good quarterback, a really good football player trying to do everything he can for you. And, and you're just, you're, you're failing him constantly. And that's sort of really hard to shake. Yeah. And I mean, I think we've talked about that, just the effort always being there. And like you said, it came up, you know, these guys, someone said it, you know, Decker, I think at some point along the line said, we're just playing for each other. Yeah. Like we're here 
because we're here every day. We're playing as hard as we can. We're practicing as hard as we can. We're putting in all these hours. We're not going to go out and just lay down on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that does have to do with Stafford too. You know, throughout his career, like these guys legitimately view him as the leader of this franchise. They want to play hard for him. They trust right. him in there. This isn't a Jay Cutler situation <laughs> where they're going out Sunday. He's just winging the ball around. Right. And, All right, whatever. I'm going yeah, home. And it's not, it's not <laughs> team know? PR. Uh, I would say that it's not team PR either to your point. So go ahead. Let me cut right. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that they legitimately are trying. I think they legitimately played hard all year. I think that Daryl Bevel does deserve some credit for that. Um, mm. Especially given that, you know, they had a COVID situation pop up in the middle of this. They had, you know, they were obviously out of the playoffs. I mean, I think he does deserve some credit for it. Sure. I don't know if it's enough to really be a legitimate head coaching candidate for them, but I think he deserves some credit. But yeah, I mean, I think Matthew Stafford is always the center of attention on this team, probably as much now <laughs> as he's ever yeah. been. And, and I think that that's where a lot of these conversations start. And maybe that's a good place to transition into what Rod Wood talked about Tuesday morning, because one of the things he said is, we don't think, I forget, what, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. We don't sure. think we're as far away as maybe it looks right. because based on the record, we, you know, we think we can retool th- some things. We think we probably need to rebuild the defense, but we think we can retool some things and be competitive. And so maybe that's not the universal talking point every time they interview a GM and a head coach. I'm sure they're asking these guys what they would do with this roster uh, mm-hmm. once they get the job, if they get the job. But that, to me, did not come off as we're going to blow this thing the hell up yeah. and trade the quarterback as soon as we can. Um, right. And again, I you know I don't want to read too much into it because I'm sure the next GM will have his own ideas, but that was certainly one of the takeaways to for me is that they saw this team go five and eleven with you know a firing midseason of the coach and GM with Kenny Galladay hurt with all these injuries and a defense that was historically bad, and they maybe see a way to get four wins better next year without yeah. wrecking it all. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like, and a, and a lot of that makes some sense, right? When you say if you make smart decisions uh, on offense. You know, in terms of who you're bringing in, who you're getting rid of, if Stafford's back, it's not impossible to suggest that their offense could be, you know, more efficient, more, you know, the ceiling there. I don't know if they ever really reached it this year for a number of different reasons, injuries and everything else. But I mean, I think the ceiling for that offense with with all we saw out there for the most part in its core is pretty solid. The defense, obviously, you'd need a lot of work on. But, you know, ultimately, I think that the idea of what you're going to do with Stafford, I mean, all three scenarios, right? You could trade him. Uh, get whatever you get back, reinvest that in an early round draft pick. You can keep him for a year, draft an early quarterback and have him sort of mentor if you want to do that. Um, You could keep him and try to go forward and see what happens. And I feel like the third one might have been what he was talking about. Keep him and just sort of see what happens. And I think that financially that has always been the thing that makes the most sense, right? We've talked about that cap hit uh, and everything that would be 19 million that would come with it if you tried to do it this year. The return would have to be really, really good. And I don't think you should close yourself off to just not even bothering to look into what the return would be. But, you know, I don't think it's insane to think that they could, you know, within a couple of years, get the defense back to average uh, and then maybe hope that the offense can sort of blossom around Stafford. But it's certainly not a given either. So, yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I it doesn't seem, though, because I mean, am I wrong? Are we reading too much into this? It doesn't seem like 
at least in terms of if you're talking to Rod Wood or Sheila Ford, that they have a preference on getting rid of Matthew Stafford. It doesn't seem like that's on their maybe agenda, and it doesn't maybe seem like that's what they're hearing from GM candidates they're interviewing with either. It seems like maybe the consensus there, or at least close to it, would be that I think you should. He's 33. He's been dinged up, but I mean, you're not going to find anybody who puts it on the line more than this guy, and his arm is ridiculous. So, like, why not take three years and see what you can do? I mean, that's what that's what it seems like that might be the plan. I don't know, but you know, maybe I'm reading too deep into it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's hard to say what these GM candidates are are going to say when they're in these interviews. And I think, to their point, you know, Rod Wood and Chris Spielman have both said, you know, this is what I think about Matthew Stafford, but it's not going to be my decision to make, which yeah. I think is good to right. hear and hopefully is how they go about it you know they shouldn't be making those decisions it should be the next gm but you know we've also talked about uh lewis riddick who's one of the gm candidates sounds pretty pro stafford and yeah, uh right. rick smith was in houston when they had you know he got there when david carr was the quarterback and they had matt schaub and then brian mm-hmm. hoyer and brock osweiler, osweiler <laughs> it took forever yeah. to get to deshaun watson guy. yeah uh and thomas dimitrov built Atlanta around Matt Ryan, who not only is one of Matthew Stafford's best friends, but their careers line up pretty well. Exactly. Yeah, right. um, so I think it would make a lot of sense for some of these GMs to say, yeah, I think we've got a guy here. And I think, you know, one of the conversations I've been having with people on Twitter uh, over the last at least 48 hours is um, if you're going to Say we're going to a free a full rebuild. We want to blow this up. We think the best thing to do is trade Stafford. And you're telling these people that in these interviews, that makes it very tough to convince a coach and a GM to come here. I think because these are a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them are guys that are going to have options. And so if you say, "Look, we want to bring you in, but we're going to be just garbage next year," (laughs) Uh, that's a tough sell. Yeah, for right. these, especially the coaches, I think, who have no yeah. say over the roster. I mean, that's hard to sort of get past if you're bringing in Robert Sala or Eric Bieniemy and saying we're going to trade Stafford if we go three and thirteen next year. Big deal. Yeah, I, they're not going to want to do that. I would think every coach they talk to is going to say, "I hope you keep Matthew Stafford." <laughs> like I would, I, that right? I would think that most every yeah. coach they talk to. Maybe not the GMs. You know, the GMs could have different conversations, obviously. But maybe even the GMs, right? Like to your point. But I would I would definitely think that most every coach would say, Yes, I would prefer to come here with a functioning, you know, real quarterback and not have to do this sort <laughs> right. of search through the dark. You know, if you can't promise me that we're not gonna have Justin Fields or Wilson or, you know, whatever, and I'm gonna get a rookie to build her. I mean, and that would be a different conversation. If you're sitting there picking two or one. Then it's a different conversation, but they're not. So, yeah, I would think that most coaches would be on the on the side of I think that you can win. I think you can be better uh, with him right now. Uh, I think you can do more with your roster, and I think that that's a, certainly a fair suggestion. We've talked talked about that a bunch. We had a chat today with people, and a lot of the questions that came up in there were, you know, what do you do right now with this roster? You know, how much of the dead money do you get rid of? Do you do it sort of? you know, carefully or what have you. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it too, as much as it is the Stafford question of, you know, if you, if you sort of go through some of these contracts and you can kind of, I don't know how you put it all together. I'm not a GM, neither are you, but I mean, I think that you could take some of them off the books, maybe make a couple of tweaks here or there, make some nice draft picks, put a system in that makes a little bit better sense, relatable to what your roster is, get people buying into it. And suddenly, yes, I think you could see a turnaround 
not a turnaround, but at least an improvement defensively. And then if the offense can kind of take the next step with Swift and some of these younger guys around Stafford, maybe you are flirting with, you know, the possibility of being better than this, or at least maybe in December it's it's on the line and we'll see what happens, right? I think that maybe that would be the ceiling, I think, for best case scenario for the Lions next year would be you make just the right amount of moves defensively. If you hire somebody like Robert Sala who comes in here with a defensive pedigree who can really you know, sink in there and take, make that his own and let the offense sort of grow, continue to grow with Stafford, you know, not impossible that they could flirt with that distinction, but I don't think I would go any higher than that. I mean, this isn't, I don't think I see a worst to first scenario anytime soon. And that's where I think some fans get a little, you know, what's Rod Wood talking about when he says we're not as far (laughs) away as we, you know, some people think, what does that mean? And I think that that's, probably the thing a lot of people because what does what does that mean chris for the lions i mean yeah. for me it's a good that means <laughs> that means playing in a meaningful game in december getting yourself back to where you were before you started this whole mess uh the whole thing everybody talks about with jim caldwell and everything else like it, it's at, at first the first step has to be getting back to that and then you can sort of talk about what you would do from there yeah and i think that that's a, a fair conversation to be had i mean i think it's also kind of a delicate balance when you talk about stafford who has you know he mm-hmm. he's going to be 32 33 he's got two years left on this deal he's kind of right in that window where you'd want to give him a contract extension to make the cap number be yeah. a little bit better and make sure he's not going into you know 2022 as a, on a final year of his deal so you're, you're sort of at a crossroads anyway and if you tell him all right well we're going to let Marvin Jones go. Yeah. We're going to cut 10 vets. We're going to see what we can do in the draft. Like, I don't, I think it's fair to wonder if he's going to want to do that. And the, you know, and I don't know that he's a guy who's going to kick and scream in public and make a big stink about it. I, I doubt he is, but he certainly could make life a little more difficult for the Lions if he decides he doesn't want to do this anymore and he wants right. out. Um, and so I think that that's kind of the tightrope that you're walking, but yeah, I mean, people are understandably going to be frustrated to hear Rod Wood say those types of things, because I think to some of, to some extent it is what he said, you know, it's an admission that they botched it the last time around, Yeah, you know, and and he didn't say that specifically, but he said, we learned from our mistakes. We're learning (laughs) from our mistakes. You know, we didn't really do that great of a job on our Bob Quinn search. We barely did anything on the Matt Patricia search. You know, those were the guys because they had yeah. the credentials. They came from New England, yada, yada. Um, and so I think it's tough to sit there and hear him say, well, we're learning from that. And like you said, we want to get back to where we were <laughs> three years right. ago. And maybe now they're looking back at it and saying, all right, well, Maybe we shouldn't have done what we did, but we're just going to try and move forward. And, but it is a little scary to hear that and then to see him bring in a guy like Marvin Lewis for an interview, for example, mm-hmm. who's a fine coach, right. did a good job in a in a spot where it's tough to win because the ownership doesn't spend a lot of money, but also is in his early 60s. He went 0-7 in the playoffs at Cincinnati. Like You're not hiring one of the greatest coaches of all time there uh, or like some revolutionary mind. So I think that there's... I, I understand why fans are feeling a little anxious right now about everything that's I, I going too, on. But I think that I don't, and I'm going to try to do something that I know a lot of the fans, they get upset when we do this. But I'm going to try to frame this in a hope scenario for you, okay? <laughs> like, as best I can. Because I, I don't want to come yeah. off and say, like, I'm going to offer a bucket of hope because we don't have that. But, like, to me, Rod Wood is, 
admitting today, basically, he admitted today, more or less, that he did. He said, you know, when we interviewed Matt Patricia, the only people in the room were me and uh, Bob Quinn, right? And Bob Quinn was hired by who? Ernie Acorsi? Ernie Acorsi. Or, <laughs> I guess, Martha Ford? I mean, it was like, it was a scenario that existed without a plan. They had no plan. They It was not... Um, what do you want, you know, when you sit down with these interviews with a GM or a coach, it wasn't about what do you want to do with our roster? It was about who are you? What's your resume? And so-and-so says you're good. So please come in here and fix this for us. This to me feels like they are talking to people uh, with their current situation at top of mind and asking all of those people, including somebody like Marvin Lewis, who may or may not ever get this job. Hey, Marvin Lewis, you've been a head coach in the NFL for a long time and you're a really respected guy. Uh, What would you do? Right? And maybe... Maybe you get a nugget of information in that interview that helps you sort of evaluate someone else that you like better, you know, and I'm not trying to like, no offense to Marvin Lewis or anything. Maybe it is Marvin Lewis. I don't, and I'll have to take all this back. But when I look at that, that's sort of what I see. And when, when I sort of try to read between the lines on some of what Rod Wood had said over the last couple of weeks, um, you know, Sheila Ford only talked the one time, but you know, he's sort of conveying her message and then Chris Spielman too. These interviews have been fact-finding missions as much as anything else, it seems like to me. They're talking to people with, it seems to me, with as much intent about, yeah, we, we believe you're a candidate for this job, but we're trying to figure out, you know, what NFL people's, football people's opinions of our situation is and what we need to do to fix it. It doesn't seem to me that they're looking internally to fix it like, well, you know, we're the Fords and we'll figure it out because we're a great American family and that's what we do, right? That's not what's happening here. They're surveying people in the NFL <laughs> on a deeper level. And and I would give them the benefit of the doubt on that until proven otherwise that a lot of this could very well be, you know, hey, we're picking people's brains and trying to figure out, you know, what sounds like a good idea, what doesn't sound like a good idea. If we've heard the same thing twice, if we haven't heard the same thing twice, that seems like what this is. And to me, that's the only way to go about it. So I don't know if I can ding them. You know, and I understand the fan hesitation. I really do. But this to me feels like a real search. It feels like it's done properly. Like you would you would expect a good organization and an owner that has a plan or has a, you know, really truly invested interest in getting this thing right. That's what it feels like. Now, I don't know if it'll work, but that's what on paper and the structure of it. I don't think we can I don't think we can say anything else based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, people wanted and we said we wanted to see them do something different. And they, this uh-huh. is clearly different than what they did the last time around. And again, you can just clobber them for the process the last time around because yeah. it, it was ridiculous. I mean, right. and, and now to hear them admit it too. Um, but yeah, that's going to piss people you know, off and it should. But to yeah. only interview three guys for GM, you know, they had a couple that they reached out to and, and maybe could have expanded that search and decided not to. They just went with Quinn and then to not even have anyone other than Rod Wood yeah. and Bob Quinn doing coach interviews. I mean, like I said, you can knock them for sure for that. But this is a completely different approach. And I don't – just because you interview 12 guys for GM doesn't mean that's going to work either. But right. no, you are taking uh, the lay of the land. And I think uh, to your point, you know, a lot of this is not just we want to interview you for this specific job, but what can you tell us about uh, this – this job within the NFL. What can you tell us about this guy that we might consider mm-hmm. for role X, Y, and Z? You know, I think there's a lot of that that goes on. And so even when you hear some of these names come up, and you're like, where where did that even come from? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, right. Why are we talking to this guy? I think some of that um, falls under that category of just trying to make sure that they are checking off every single box possible, getting to know as many people 
uh, as they possibly can here and figuring it out from there. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's a much better way to go about it. You do feel more comfortable that, uh, Chris Spielman's in there and that they have this advisory board now. I mean, do you read anything into just Rod Wood coming out and talking to us on Tuesday? I mean, we've talked a lot about Rod Wood, probably more than we need to talk about Rod Wood, but like, is there any concern that he's going to overstep here at some point? Uh I don't know. I mean, that's a that's been an interesting one the whole way through. And I, I would say that if he wasn't involved in the last one, I, I you know, like if he wasn't involved in that, I would I would have an easier time of just being like, no, I'm sure it's not a big deal. You know, I'm sure it's something where you know Spielman's pretty new at this. You know, maybe they'd like him to focus more on talking, you know, talking with candidates than to us right now. I could see that. You know, I mean, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's hard to to tell a fan that because I can understand what they're what they're thinking. Um, and I, and I think that the one thing that I would, that I sort of always come back to on this is, is that it seems to me, you know, having, and again, and I wasn't here when they hired Bob Quinn or Patricia. So all I've had to do is read and talk to people on, on sort of what happened. But, you know, it seems to me, based on everything that happened then and everything that's happening now, that Sheila Hamp has asked the question that her predecessors have failed to ask in that she's asking people, what do we need here? What what do you, a football expert, a general manager candidate, a head coaching candidate, whomever, what do what do we need to fix this disaster? Not who are you and how great are you and come on in here and well everything will be fine and I'll see you in a year. That's not what's happening. It doesn't seem like that to me. It seems like she's getting down to the root of, you know, let's figure if we're going to do this, let's do it properly. That's what it feels like to me, and as hesitant as I can get on some of that stuff with the history of all this and. You know, the fact that Rod Wood was there the last time and he is not a football person. Uh, I Again, I, I understand all the, the hesitancy, but I always go back to, I mean, they're talking to a lot of people. I mean, they've talked to a lot, 11 people, on, but I think by the end of this week, it'll be 11, unless somebody gets shuffled over next week. 11 people for a GM job. That seems like a lot to me. I, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, that seems like a pretty good net. I think the coach, the coach thing will be at probably somewhere, I would assume, in that range as well. And, you know, you said it, Chris, I mean, Spielman's in there. We've talked, we haven't even touched on the fact that they have a board of advisors, you know, advisors, Mark Hollis, who knows how these things work as well as anybody um, in terms of the the nuance and minutia of how to operate a search. Um, Fritz Pollard, all these guys, I mean, you know, I don't know about Barry Sanders, what he's doing, but I mean, they're leaning on people for advice. And to me that when I looked at this, when the year started, when I looked at this, when 2020 started, it was, are you going to ask for help? And if you're not, you're going to be in the same situation. If you are, maybe you have a chance. And it seems like to me they've asked for help, and we'll see, you know, sort of how it rolls out. Yeah, I mean, I think the Barry Sanders uh, addition there was, yeah. was the big, big headliner. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, Mark Hollis should be adding a lot to this search. I, I think, think Rod so. Graves, as you said, was the chair of the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Mm-hmm. Like he was a GM. He's been in the, you know, at the upper reaches of right. the NFL for a long time now. Those that's a that's a big help you would think <laughs> to I what would they're think, trying yeah. to do here. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that is smart. As you said, Rod Wood said, um, you know, basically they put in all the requests that they plan to put in right now, then maybe they circle back and figure out somebody else they want to talk to, but they're at 11 GMs. They're at six coaches that they've either talked to or are scheduled to talk to. Um, I assume the coach number will probably grow at least by a couple Sure. Uh, we don't know. And, and as I mentioned in the, our story that we have up kind of breaking down all the names we've heard about so far, 
the college interviews tend to be behind closed doors a little bit more than the yep. pro ones because you don't have to go formally request them through the same channels that you do uh, with the NFL ones. So we could hear that they've already interviewed, you know, mm-hmm. whomever, I, Matt Campbell or right. Jim, Jimmy yeah, Harbaugh or, or Pat Fitzgerald. Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> whoever. So um, I would assume the, the coach number will get closer to double digits than it is right now. But it sounds like, like he's, you know, they they have reached out to a, a ton of people. It has been interesting, and we've had a couple questions on our story that's up. Because uh, a couple of the names we threw out, you know, Ed Dodds was a guy that uh, yeah. you definitely were vouching for as a candidate. I mean, he certainly made sense as a candidate. Mike mm-hmm. Borgonzi seemed like he was going to be maybe the hottest GM name in this cycle. Yeah, we haven't really heard anything about either of them. Not just related to the Lions. The Panthers requested to talk to Dodds, but there hasn't been. I mean, there's been very little movement with either guy so far. So um, I I don't know. What's your read there? Are you surprised that we haven't gotten more traction from Detroit in those fronts? Yeah, I I wondered about Dodds because he has a history of um, turning some of these down, uh, declining, Um, and I wondered about you know because I mean he was one of Chris Ballard's first hires uh, in Indy, and they are really close right now. I mean, you know, they just got in. I mean, bear, you know, and they were an 11-5 team looking at possibility of not making it in. <laughs> they made it in, and, and they're right on the they're right on the fringe. And I almost wonder if – I don't know this at all. I'm just guessing here or speculating. But I almost wonder if he's, like, not ready to step off that, you know, ship yet. I think I wonder if he wants to see that through. I, I don't know. You know, and I wonder – I don't know about if that's the case with Borgonzi either. I mean, those are two guys that are on Super Bowl contenders. You know, I would, I mean, especially Borgonzi. I mean, Dodds at least is at the playoffs or 11 to 5. Colts played a lot of really good football. Stranger things have happened, right? So I don't know. I, I don't know if those guys are, you know, basically in like, they're pretty confident people that, you know, maybe they assume that, you know, they their resume sort of speaks to the, for itself. They've been on so many lists over the years that maybe they're going to be a little more selective and not sort of get into the hubbub early and often. I don't know, but you know, that is a little strange. I mean, I, I Dodds is one or is it Borgonzi that I don't think we've seen anybody. I think Borgonzi, Borgonzi I don't think we've seen yeah, anybody no. completely linked to him. I think we've read, I think I saw the bears, the bears may be interested in targeting him, whatever that means. I read that on somewhere <laughs> earlier today, but that doesn't mean that they've interviewed him. So in that case, I do wonder about some of those guys that are on like, that are GMs with a contender, but you know, then again, it's all the individual person, you know, right. It's just like, who knows? I don't, I don't know how all that would go. And, you know, for the most part anymore, I mean, if a guy's had an interview in an NFL circle, we hear about it pretty quickly. It's not something that gets hidden. So yeah, that is a little, little odd. Did you have any, did, did you land on any thoughts on any of that? Because, or maybe they, maybe these guys just haven't, I don't know, but like, it seems to me that they would be in high demand for all these jobs. Yeah. I, I'm surprised there hasn't been, like you said, any mention of Borgonzi. I'm also surprised, you know, we heard, was it? I guess it was Sunday, right? The John Schneider report came from yeah, wherever Sunday. it came from. <laughs> the Lions were interested in in John Schneider. And I that seemed, you know, like a Hail Mary that either the Lions leaked out to sort of prove to everyone mm-hmm. that they were covering their bases or that Schneider's camp leaked out yeah, because they want raise. more control or they want more money or whatever. <laughs> But if there's any truth to that at all, I'm a little surprised we haven't heard Dodd's name and we haven't heard either of the other Seahawks folks that we mentioned, uh, yeah, Kirchner, Kirchner and yeah. Fitterer, right? Uh, right. You haven't heard either of those guys really, not just for the Lions. Again, I don't think I've heard them come up for anyone. Mm-hmm. And so, no. you know, and it it's 
Tuesday, uh, two days after the regular season ended, you know, the playoffs start Saturday. So it's possible that some of this is just a timing situation that, you know, it's going to be a bit and uh, things are kind of scattered anyway this year because of uh, just, you know, what's going on with COVID and everything. But um, that's my surprise that we haven't heard some of these bigger names come up um, in Detroit or anywhere. Uh, But that said, I don't think that the the names that have been linked to Detroit, I, like, I don't feel like they're settling for what they've reached out to, you know, I, like Rick Smith and um, Dimitrov to some extent, you know, Lewis mm-hmm. Riddick, like, I feel like they're doing a pretty good, Terry Fontenot was one of the more yeah, recent ones, one. like, it feels like they're putting in the work here, as we've said, you know, yep. and, and they've got some legitimate candidates. And these are guys who, if they don't break through in Detroit, this year, right now, yeah. uh, a lot of these guys are probably going to end up as general managers somewhere uh, in the league at some point. So I would think, yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you has your thinking changed as to who you would think would be the best candidate right now, or people that you have uh, at the top? Like in this pool uh, that you know that they've already talked to or are planning to talk to, um, Rick Smith still feels like the best one to me uh, in that pool. Now, again, like if 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 that and again, we could. It could be possible that Ed Dodds, Mike Morganzi, Kirchner, and uh, Fitter all told lines no. You know, I mean, that's possible that they all said we don't want to talk to you, right? Like we're not going to do it. So that those guys would be guys or Hortiz from the Ravens or whatever. But on the list of guys they've talked to, I think Rick Smith still makes the most sense for me. I just think he's his resume um, is really unique, and it suggests. And again, I think it fits a lot of the things Rodwood talked about today in terms of what they're looking for. It suggests that he'll be able to work with a number of different people really well in a number of different roles really well with some expertise, which is what a GM is supposed to do. It's a really hard job. It's a really all-encompassing world that you have to – your hand has to be in so many different pots. And you know, Rick Smith played football, uh, coached in the Big Ten, recruited in the Big Ten. Coached in the NFL, won a Super Bowl as a coach in the NFL, was a scout, was a personnel guy, and a GM. There's nothing this guy hasn't done in this game. And I look at that and I say to myself, based on all those things, and he was also, uh, his drafts weren't like depth-wise awesome, but he had he was usually very good in the first round. He was very good early with premium picks. I don't know. To me, he feels like of all the guys on that list of the 11, he feels like the best one. And I think that that's the case for probably, <laughs> I think that's the case for every job available on, if you're looking at those 11. So I also <laughs> yeah. wonder if they're going to have to really work hard to compete for him. But for me, that Rick Smith feels like on the GM side of that 11, he feels like the best candidate. And he feels like the guy I would want to pull the trigger on sooner than later if I'm the Lions. If that's all you're going to talk, if there's not going to be any more, you know, and maybe there will be, but, you know, unless... You know, Brad Holmes or, or or one of these guys later in the week blows you away. You know, uh, that's 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 you know kind of where I'm, I'd be looking. So, I don't, I, do you have any on the GM? The GMs are hard though, you know, because it's yeah. like a lot of these guys, like Brad Holmes, is a great one. I mean, the, he's so well respected with the Rams, and if you read up on him, you know, he's been there for I think close to ten years, and he's been part of you know some terrific drafts. But you're also like, okay, he's been part of some terrific drafts, but were those all his, you know, I don't know, you know, he's not making the final decision. So Rick Smith did, you know, every time. So it's a little easier in that sense. Yeah. um, I think I'm with you on Rick Smith. I mean, I'm still pretty intrigued by Lewis Riddick. Um, Sure. 
I mentioned Fontenot. The Brad Holmes thing to me, like you said, I think the resume's there. I think it makes sense to be talking to him. I understand why multiple teams are reaching out to him. I do wonder if he's too similar to Bob Quinn (laughs) in terms of just what the resume looks like uh, and sort of how he got to this point. Um, Not to say that he's the exact same guy or Mm -hmm. has, you know, is giving them the same answers, but just if they're looking for something slightly different, I don't know that that's it. Um, George Payton, uh, that's George Payton one. is interesting to me almost entirely because of the connection. <laughs> He's yeah. been Rick Spielman's right hand guy for years, thirteen years, and that obviously is Chris Spielman's brother. So mm-hmm. if they are looking for like you know a, a really good read on someone who's in this mix here, they're not going to get a better feel for a guy than they will. George right. Payton, and I'm sure Chris already knows George Payton uh, very well, pretty sure. well. Yeah. Um, so the fact that they have scheduled him for an interview leads me to believe that they're pretty confident they're getting a guy who's ready to be a general manager there. So that's one I kind of keep circling back on too. I mean, like I said, I do think it's a it's a good list of names. Um, does Dimitrov? Does he do anything for you? Because mm. that's a name like that's a pretty big name and a guy yeah. who had success for a long time in Atlanta. Uh, and again, like I mentioned, built around Matt Ryan. He was super aggressive at times going out and yeah. getting pieces that he needed. Um, so there's there are things to like there. And then it all kind of unraveled at the end. But does he move the needle for you? Dimitrov had some really good drafts. Um, he did. He had, you know, well, he's there for a long time. But I mean, he did have some really high end, like really productive all the way through, you know, finding guys late. You know, the early picks were hitting. I mean... He had some that were really good. He had some that were really bad. And he had a lot that were like middling. And, you know, when you sort of go back and you look, and that's because he's such a tough one, right? Because it's like he got, he built them into a Super Bowl team. I mean, he did. I mean, they they were right there. They were, you know, one half away from, or whatever, you know, you want to call it or frame it in that one crazy game. But I mean, he had them there and then he didn't. It's one of these weird things where it's like, you know, I don't know every detail of how it all went. And it seems to me that, you know, this was as much a case of he's just been there too long as maybe anything else. And people were getting sick of it. And then they had a bad year this year. And maybe it was like, all right, whatever, let's just start over. Because he didn't have any drafts in there that were so bad that you were like, well, what's happening here? But, you know, obviously something has gone wrong or some things have happened awkwardly. But he would be another one, I guess, that, you know, he's interesting, but I just, I have a hard time with it because I, I don't know what all happened. And he's been out of New England long enough. He ran his own show. Uh, you know, he's done all those things. And to me, that would be a, as much about, you know, personality. Is is this the type of guy you're looking for um, or not? But, you know, he does, he does more for me than Pioli. I'll say that, I guess, at this point. Yes. Um, <laughs> Agreed. Right? And yeah. like, he does more for me than... Probably most of those guys on that list, um, you know, I would say Rick Smith is probably top, you know, and he would be there with maybe Riddick in, the, in that list, I guess, if I'm missing anybody off the top of my head here. But um, I don't know. It's a weird one. That's That's been a weird one to me the whole time because we've looked over it a thousand different ways and I'm just like, the Falcons had some things happen. They It worked and then it didn't. Uh, is it reasonable to, what if Dimitrov was there for five more years? I mean, I don't think it would have been out of question that, we would have seen them rebound under him and come back. Was that going to be impossible? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just a relationship that people were like, we're ready to move on and they moved on. But um, that's a weird one. I mean, that's, that's a weird one. I, I wouldn't get like scared away from him just because he's from, he, you know, worked in new England, 
uh, because he did run his own show. But I do wonder if, you know, if you're going to be sort of operating in the same exact mindset, if that's healthy for anybody as well. Yeah. And you mentioned the personality thing. And I, I feel bad when people ask questions about these guys. And I try to, I, I kind of hedge my bets on it because I yeah. don't know what they're, I don't know what they're like in that room while they're being interviewed. And I also don't know, you know, when the Lions brought in Bob Quinn, and then especially after Matt Patricia got there, they overhauled everything, scouting yeah. department, everything behind the scenes, how that practice facility is laid out. I mean, they went from the ground up to convert stuff away from, you know, sort of the Martin Mayhew, Jim Caldwell model to what mm-hmm. they wanted. And so I, I wonder how much needs to be undone or switched yep. or if people are going to come in and say, well, this is the setup here is actually pretty good. We like what the scouting department looks like. We like what they've done. Uh, they hired two analytics guys last off season. We like where they've gone that direction. We just need to kind of put our touches on this. Or if someone's going to come in and say, this is complete garbage. <laughs> I, I can understand why your team was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and so that's, that's, I don't know those answers. So it's hard for me to say this guy's better than, so-and-so because you know maybe one of them says that and the lions don't want to do that um yeah that but like would that be such a i mean they already they did it for patricia and quinn (laughs) true they let them do whatever you know what i mean so like in that sense i do wonder if like and that's very possible like you're saying i mean it's very possible that you know i think what you're talking about maybe it would be that they you know quinn and patricia at least in in theory anyway they modernized it Maybe, you know, uh, yeah. they hired some I think people. you have to let people do that. To some, I mean, yeah. you can't just pigeonhole them into whatever was there. I mean, that obviously isn't going right. to work. But. And you can evaluate personnel, but, you know, in terms of like, you know, creating jobs or new jobs or things of this nature, you know, I don't know if that, I don't know if all that would be off the table or, or not. I mean, I think that some of the stuff Patricia did might be, you know, like, because it feels like he, you know, I got to get a hill built over here. Everybody's got to wear knee, you know, all this crazy <laughs> stuff. Like that sort of thing. Like if you get a head coach that comes in here and says he wants to do all this crazy stuff, that's probably a good sign that you need to hang up the phone or uh, be like, oh, our Zoom call dropped. Sorry, we're not hiring you. Like that's the end of that. Like that I would probably shy away from. But I would I would think no. I mean, I, I would think a GM. I would think you'd want a GM to come in and be himself, be him be or herself, whatever. Yeah. But be their own person and not be tied to a coach. I think Rod Wood kind of talked about that today. Like He's like, you know, we want to hire people that can work with other people. We don't want to hire people that can only work with one other person. Like that's an underrated part of this. Maybe it's not underrated. I think it's probably something everybody understands and realizes, you know, and it's, and, and I took that as him not going out and exactly saying, you know, I'm not trying to hire another guy that only wants to work with one other guy who that happens to be a coach that only wants a linebacker that looks exactly like this and does things exactly this way. <laughs> yeah. Like that stuff has to go away. But in terms of a GM coming in and putting their own spin on or their own stamp on it, I think that they'd be fine with that. I don't I don't see that why you wouldn't. And I would think that you'd want that person to feel comfortable, especially with, as we've talked about, you know, Spielman's here now, right? As that assistant to the president. You got Rod Wood. You know, you don't want GMs coming in here thinking that they're going to get you know, big timed or, you know, I can't make my decisions because I got people over top of me standing here wagging their finger at me. You don't want them to feel like that either. So uh, I think you probably have to walk a pretty good line on that one. Do you think that hills there when we get back in for training? Uh, that's camp? what I was wondering yesterday, actually. Like, <laughs> or maybe the other day I was like, uh, do you think they'll like rip it down immediately? Do you think they'll let guys go out there and like do it themselves? Are they going to like call Slay and be like, hey, do you want to come back for like one <laughs> practice and rip like the hill down? The Berlin Wall yeah. coming down. Like the next time they can have uh 
like joint practices, maybe like the Eagles can come and Slay can come like <laughs> dig the hill down or something Get like that. Get the hill out and put the ping pong table back in the locker room. Those will be the first right. two things that yeah. happen. Like, and that's all fine. I think you can do stuff like that, right? Like that's been proven to be not a big deal. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I mean, we should, I guess we should spend some time on the coaches here again. We're up to uh, Marvin Lewis has officially interviewed. Eric Bieniemy has officially interviewed. Daryl Bevel, I think, has officially interviewed now. He was yeah, scheduled to today, do it yeah. at some point Tuesday. So mm-hmm. that's three. Um, Robert Sala is scheduled to be in Thursday, I believe. And then Arthur Smith, Dan Campbell, the ones uh, reportedly uh, on the books for next week. Although... Um, yeah. Arthur Smith has been has gotten been a request a from every team, and it sounds like he's not going to take all of those at the moment. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But um, so six, like I said, I th- I wouldn't be surprised if we hear of a couple college coaches that interviewed. If this number gets up closer to nine or ten, mm-hmm. I guess a. Do you think Daryl Bevel is a legitimate candidate here? Do you think this is actually a pool of six, or do you think it's a pool of five plus they're paying their respects to Daryl Bevel, and then b. Uh, to me, Robert Sala looks like the leader in the clubhouse of this group, yeah, but right. maybe I'm reading it wrong. So I don't know if you disagree there. <laughs> I think that Bevel qualifies as a guy they have to talk to and a guy that they have to talk to in like as much as possible because he was here and he knows everything that was wrong. And so while I don't know if I would say that he's a candidate for the job, and I I mean, I think, I think we'd all be surprised if he got it. Um I think that that's a serious interview, and I think it's one that you have to do, and I think it's one it's, – it's the reason why I think – or it should be the reason why they, you know, sort of treated that with respect and told him right away, like, you know, can you get us through the rest of this year so we can get our ducks in a row and, you know, you'll get an interview at the end of it and we'll see what happens. And I think that that's all well and good and fine, and, you know, who knows, I guess. Uh, it'd be very surprising if he's the guy, but, you know, based just based on – he's never done it before. I mean, I, and I think they're in a situation, too, where – He's never done it before. You know, he's, he was here the last two years. Didn't always go exactly right. All these things. And if, if you love him, you love him. But I don't know. That'd be surprising. But I think it's a valuable interview, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Because I think that, you know, he would have insight into things that are happening here, you know, based uh, from his own experience. I mean, he was he's, at, he's won a Super Bowl. He knows what that looks like. He knows what that's supposed to look like. All these things. So um, that would be surprising. But I think for a guy that did everything he could for you, and I think that was pretty clear that Daryl Bevel did everything – he could in that month and a half or whatever it was. Uh, and, w- and again, we talk about guys who seem devastated. I mean, I don't know if there was a higher moment this year of that sense than when we found out uh, and we're talking to him that day that he found out or whatever it was, he wasn't gonna be able to coach or, or whatever it would have mm-hmm. been or that week. I mean, he was just gutted. Right. So, you know, yeah, I think that that's fair to, to go about it. And maybe it's something where if, if you're the organization and, you think he can serve a role for you going forward? Maybe you want to push that too. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that you want to push on a new coach, but you know who knows? That's that's an interesting. But I'm with you. I think that um, he's probably at the low end of that list. I mean, Robert Solly seems to be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that proximity should get you a job uh, based on that alone. But I mean, somebody asked this today. He grew up, or he went to Fordson High School, right? Which is what three miles from uh, Allen Park or uh, the facilities. I would have to think that if he's in demand for other jobs, that the Lions at least would have some pull on his heartstrings to where if it's like you have some fondness for this team that another person would never have. Um, But I've come around on that one. I think that, you know, him being a defensive coach right now, if you're going to stick with Stafford and and try to maybe push forward with that, I think he would make some sense. Um, And he seems to be really well respected and everything else. So I guess we'll see, but it does seem like that's Bevel probably in the low end of that list. Although, uh, 
to be fair, Eric Bieniemy was their first interview, and again, the, he was. Uh, that's, that's their second interview, I guess, after Marvin Lewis. But you know, that's maybe scheduling, maybe timing, yeah, uh, maybe that's meaningful. <laughs> they wanted to talk yeah, to him before know. anyone else, and uh, mm-hmm. as of you know, two hours before we recorded this, uh, Jonathan Jones over at CBS Sports reported that the Texans still hadn't put in a request for Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know. Again, we're trying to figure all this out as the same way everyone else is to some extent, you know, just yeah. trying to connect the dots here and there and, and see where they go. But um, I don't think, you know, you certainly don't rule out Eric Bieniemy or any no, of these other no. guys that they've talked to. It's it's a small enough pool right now that um, I think you can make a case for everyone that they've talked to to some extent. I mean, Marvin Lewis, as I said, probably would be down at the bottom of that list for me. I don't know that Dan Campbell necessarily excites me the way that I would look at Sala or Arthur Smith or Bienemy. Um Right. What, but again, what you've Houston got options. doing, by the way? What is Houston doing? I don't know. How have they not? <laughs> I mean, like Eric Bienemy and Deshaun Watson feels like so it good. should have been done three weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, whatever. We got, yeah, we, no, I don't. Yeah, right. We got Houston... Hasn't put in that request yet. You got Jacksonville's owner saying he's going to hire a GM, oh but God. then just make all the decisions himself. Anyway, he's going to hire so an assistant to himself. They're getting, they're getting some. <laughs> they're getting some help around the league right now, and <laughs> like just you know, be good to take advantage of it. Yeah, they really are. Right, that's a great point because Jacksonville has got. They're in a really good situation. Like we read that stuff about how Urban Meyer was eyeing Jacksonville a couple weeks ago, and all I could think was, I'm like, really? Are you eyeing the draft pick? Or are you eyeing the fact that you're going to have to work for the Jaguars when the owner just said, "I'm going to hire a GM, but I'm basically going to be the GM, so it's not going to happen." <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's not a situation any anybody wants to hear. Uh, the Chargers are an attractive job yep. because of Herbert, but are they an attractive job because of their owner? I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean, like, there's, uh, it's an interesting pool of job openings right now. I think because somebody said this yesterday, put on put on Twitter. You have a lot of really good quarterbacks, mm-hmm. or you know, even in Jacksonville, you're going to get a good draft pick, right? So it's a lot of really good quarterbacks to choose from. But in terms of overall organizational structure, uh, the Lions could <laughs> be competing with uh, in worse scenarios. I think I'd say that this is not. Denver showing up maybe complicates things. That's one where I wonder about. Yeah. Maybe is that is that organization healthier? And would that be one where if you're a guy uh, who's got a lot of people knocking on your door, maybe you'd be more comfortable there? I don't know. But, you know, you look at the rest of them and it's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't think any of these teams, I would sit here and say that all of them have their shit together. <laughs> that much more than the Lions. So, you know, I don't like you said, I mean, maybe a little help from the league. Who knows? Who knows how it works out? Does Anthony Lynn intrigue you at all now that he's uh... – a coaching free agent from the Chargers. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what else happening there, one way or the other. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I am as interested in the college guys, I guess, as much as anything. But I'm also sort of trying to remember here that you know, if it doesn't sound like we talked about at the very beginning. It doesn't sound like they're totally interested in restarting everything over again so you know some ways i wonder if a college coach might be best in that scenario where you can just let him come in here and be like hey it's a blank slate everything's ripped down just do whatever you want you know we'll we'll see what happens but i don't know i mean i think that guys on the list right now that they have i mean you've talked to the enemy you're going to talk to sally those are the two guys that you had to talk to i feel like right off the top they're going to get those they're going to get those interviews in there's some other ones i suppose we'll have to wait and see um sort of how it goes or what's unveiled there through the college ranks but um, to me, the GM hire is more important. 
I mean, that's just, that's me. I mean, I think that you have to get a person running this franchise that knows what they're doing. That, and the coach is, we've seen, not to be like, you know, coaches come and go. I mean, it's not, you don't want that to happen. But like, if you, if you miss on a coach and you still have a really good GM, you can, you can get yourself off the ground pretty quickly, I feel like. You know, it's not that hard. So to me, the GM has got to be the one where you absolutely can't miss. You don't want to hire a bad coach, obviously, but, you know, that's, that's the one where I look at this whole thing right now and think, you know, the GM is the one that they've got to nail. The, I mean, if you if you have to pick one of the two, it's it's got to be that one. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that's why I at least come keep coming back to Rick Smith. Uh, yeah, and not that he's the greatest GM in NFL history or that he guaranteed right. playoff wins coming in here, but I think you saw him build that up from. Where it was, it was consistent Houston, yeah. where he got mm-hmm. there to, uh, you know, it was consistent. It was a, you know, a decade plus worth of evidence that he knows what he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. And especially if you're going to go get, I don't know that you need to hire an experienced GM and a first time head coach or vice versa. I, don't, I mean, maybe you can hire two guys who have been through it, but it feels like if you're going to, if you're going to go experience in one of those jobs you'd rather have it be in the gm role like you're saying yes and then yes. you can go hire sala or be enemy or someone and yeah sort of yeah. turn them loose with the roster but yeah i mean i that like, like i said that's why i keep coming back to rick smith because i just think where they're at where they what they need to accomplish uh it just makes sense to get someone who's faced a lot of those challenges already Right. And that's why, I mean, I think that's why I was on a tangent there where you mentioned Anthony Lynn, but because I don't think I'm in <laughs> agreement with you because I don't think you need to hire a head coach who's been a head coach. I just wanted to like, see if you had Pep Hamilton thoughts <laughs> that we might spin off. Into. <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But no, I don't have Pep Hamilton thoughts. But no, I mean, I don't think that you have to have your coach doesn't have to be a guy to me that's been a head coach. I think your GM in this case, in this scenario, based on all we know about the Lions front office, uh, as it sits right now, uh, yes, I think your GM needs to be someone who has done this before. Or at least, at the very least, someone who's like like uh, George uh, Patton. Paton- How do you say his last name? I, I'm Pay- a reader. George here. Payton. Payton. Yeah. Like somebody like that. Because he's been in the league for 20 years. He's been Rick Spielman's number two for basically 15. Um, he has basically... There are guys like this in the league, too. You find them across. That's what Hortiz was one in Baltimore. There are guys like this who've been in these they they've been in high level personnel department roles for a long long time. If you're hiring someone like that, totally cool. If you're hiring a 40 39 year old who's only been, you know, a director of scouting for 2 or 3 years and we don't really know what he did, then you just hired Bob <laughs> Quinn again and we'll see what happens, right? right? Like that's right. that's what you've done. So, in that sense, that's why I say, you know, experience at the highest level Either you are in the chair making that decision yourself, or it's you and one other person in that room, and you're that person's consigliere or something. You know, those are the people you need to be looking at for that role. The coach, I think that net can get cast, you know, as wide as you want it to be. I think that there's that, and that's how I'm. I'm always going to land on this. I feel like because, and this is what we talked about for years with, or not years, but it felt like years with the Patricia Quinn thing. This was a Bob Quinn problem more than it was a Matt Patricia problem. This roster wasn't good. It was bad. It was his problem. He's the one who constructed this whole thing. You have to have better leadership at the top. Your top football job has to be the best thing that you have, I feel like, in your organization. Your coach has to be number two, but, you know, I mean, that's where it has to start. And, you know, for me, that's sort of how it has to go. Yeah. I mean, I think your point about just the experience factor of this too is important. And I have said this before on here, you know, when Bob Quinn got hired, I think it was sort of 
universally accepted that he was one of the better GM options, you know, rising GM options rising, out there. Yeah. And then Matt Patricia got hired and everyone thought that was uh, one of the rising coach options out there. And so now we're looking back on it and say, well, the search was terrible and the how they did things was terrible. <laughs> but at yeah. the time, I, I don't know that everyone thought it was yeah. going to work for sure. But at the right. time, it looked like a decent, decent moves on both ends. But that said, as we mentioned with Brad Holmes, you know, Bob Quinn was not at the top of the ladder no. in New England. And the no. guy, Nick Cesario, who now is able to take interviews because you can't block guys from taking Jeez. interviews anymore, uh, was the guy everyone wanted to get out of there and never could. And right. so now he's going out places. And that, you know, again, the Lions couldn't get to him. No one could get to him. So you go to, well, who's next in line in New England? And now you're, now you're not only beyond the guy who's um, – top of the line uh, on the personnel department but you also are way behind mm -hmm. belichick's basically directing everything there anyway so now you're down to the third or fourth guy in charge and but with a guy like peyton or uh you know jeff ireland i guess or terry fontenot like those are that's number two number two a two b yeah. in command at their spots so you could see them making that jump and as we've said with peyton you know that that's been uh, you wrote it. He's been an NFL executive for 20 years now, yeah. and he's been right with Spielman, uh, Rick Spielman, for 13, 14 years. So that I think you can make that jump and say, all right, this guy at least knows what this is going to take to get the job done. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Like, I, I just, I don't know. I worry that the, my only concern with continuing to come back to Rick Smith or even to Dimitrov is that I worry... Uh, you don't want to be too safe, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Like, oh, he's done it, so he'll be okay. Yeah. I right. don't know if that's what you're looking for no, either. No, not at all. But I would say this, and, and you brought up an interesting point, because the last time, you know, when they hired Bob Quinn, they were also a team, you know, on the field that was on the – they were a playoff team. I mean, they they had been in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. You know, they were a playoff team. They were, they were a team that was, hey, we're here. We're right here. We feel like we've got some nice young players. We are like – we feel like we're close. And so, in that sense, if you feel like you're a little more stable as a roster, I don't have as much of an issue with maybe taking a chance on a guy. If you really feel like he's younger and he fits and everything else, I, I don't have that problem. But like in this case, that's not what this is. This is, it's not a clean slate in the sense that maybe you get to come in here and just do anything you want, no matter what. But it is kind of a clean slate in the sense that like they're looking to you and being like, we're at, we're at our bottom, you know, like. Rock bottom? No, because we're the Lions and we've actually been worse than this many times. But we're at the bottom and we need you to get us off the off the floor. So to me, in that sense, that's what I would say you need to look at someone who has experience in one of those two spots. But yes, again, you have to judge that pretty carefully and not just golden parachute some, somebody who's, oh yeah, I've done this a thousand times, I can get you out of this. And then they come in here and it's just a disaster. That's the last thing you want to do as well. But I don't think... Anybody on that list of eleven today would would qualify as a candidate like that. I don't I, I don't know that, but I don't get that sense that anybody on the list of people they've already talked to would be like an old retread who's just like, yeah, if you're going to offer me a job, I'll take it. I'm not going to turn your money down, you <laughs> right, know, like yeah, that because right. that happens a lot. Oh, yeah, hundred in the NFL, like a a ton in the NFL, college. Oh my god, in football in general, we see it twenty times a year. So that is what you have to avoid. You're right. I mean, that's the number one thing on the list that you can't fall into is just hiring somebody because they've been somewhere. And Rod Wood actually touched on that today. It's, he, he did say that it's, it can't just be about your resume. It has to be about, you know, how we, how we perceive 
you fitting in what we perceive to be our, you know, personal, unique, whatever situation that we want this to look. So that's as much of it as anything. All right. Well, that feels like a good spot to wrap. I don't want to go too long in case something Any changes. You know, yeah. <laughs> on spots, Urban Meyer's private plane at DTW oh, or something God. over here. Um, uh, as Nick said last week, we'll, we'll try to keep doing these uh, once a week for the time being, at least until there's a coach and GM in place, I think, uh, just to sort of stay on top of the lay of the land. Um, and then uh, the schedule will probably get a little more scattershot through the draft. But uh, we'll be back again uh, next week to – kind of figure out where things are, see if anyone's been hired by that point, where the coaching search is. Uh, they can start interviewing more guys next week. Any of those coaches who are about to play this weekend are available for interviews next week. So there, like I said, there could be some more names coming up, uh, at least on that front, in the next few days here. So we'll get back and chat about that next week. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to us yet, we would love it if you would do so. Go over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Find us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, rate us, review. We, uh, again, as, as we do every week, thank you so much for listening uh, to us and, and leaving those comments, leaving those reviews. We definitely notice and love hearing from you guys on Twitter, too, uh, with feedback or questions. So make sure you, you fire those over as well. Um, uh, anything else you want to get off your chest? Before All we good. Close up no, we'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back sooner than later, I'm sure, with... Uh... More of this. Yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing would be is the timeline, right? We don't know how long it'll go. Uh, hopefully not forever, but yeah, we'll be here either way. We'll see how we'll see how long it goes. Yeah, and like I said, Rod Wood said it could if they if the right guy is involved in the playoffs through the Super Bowl, the coaching mm-hmm. search could wait through the Super Bowl. They're willing to do that. So that's we've got somewhere between now and a month, it seems like, to figure out what's happening here. So uh, make sure you go check out what we've been writing on theathletic.com we've been trying to keep you updated and uh, alerted to every change that's happened with this coaching gm search and we'll continue to do that as well so for nick i'm chris thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon